All right, welcome everybody. It is week nine of the NFL season. This is Stupid vs. the Spread. I'm Alex. That's Mike. We're going to talk about a little bit about week eight, a little bit about the tra- trade deadline. And really what transpired in week eight leading into week nine is a better way to put it. And then we'll get to all the games this week. Um, so biggest storyline of the week. Not We'll talk trade deadline in a second. Uh, as of today, this morning at about midnight, uh, this is Wednesday, November 1st. Uh, Mike McDaniels was Josh, fired. Josh McDaniels. <laughs> Jesus, Josh McDaniels uh, was fired as the Las Vegas head coach um, after a 3-5 and five season this year. Uh, last year went 6-11, and 11, so not the best of coaching records. Uh, was this too soon, Mike, or was this the consequence of attaching yourself to Derek Carr, or was it something else? I don't think it was too soon because I don't think Josh McDaniels has done anything to prove that he's a good head coach in the NFL. Like he, te- he destroyed Denver. Uh, he reneged on a contract to go to Indy and then he ended up in Vegas. And I like, if you, if Mark Davis is putting so much stock into Ziegler's hiring of Josh McDaniels that he fired him too for that, which seems like what happened. Yes. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, the GM, Dave Ziegler, was also fired. The OC, Mick Lombardi, was also fired. Um, it, I don't think it was too soon. It's surprising coming from an organization that has widely been reported to not have money um, because Mark Davis is, like, by all accounts, scared of having to pay the inheritance tax when his mom passes away. Um, but the... Yeah, it's a, so from that angle, it's surprising because he still has to pay the rest of McDaniel's contract, which I think is like a it was a six year deal, um, and he's only like two a year and a half into it, so he owes the rest of that. I think maybe they think that they're going to get out of Gruden's contract on a morals clause, like that. That's the only thing I could see because they still owe the rest of Gruden's unless. Uh, cause I don't think that was a firing for cause, at least at the time. Now they may try to argue that later. Um, but either way, I don't think it was the wrong move. I just am surprised by the timing of it. Uh, it's just the, yeah, the Raiders have been sort of directionless and they've been kind of like this for the past few years. You know, Derek Carr was questionably your guy, uh, when you, when you signed him to his not long-term deal, but his big money deal. And luckily you, right. were, able, you were able to get out of that. Um, but then you go sign Garoppolo for two years at 25 million, which is admittedly not a lot of money, but it, it's not like he's the answer. Um, and they clearly have indicated that because Aiden O'Connell is going to start this week. So they don't feel good about Garoppolo either. So yeah, I don't know. I, I've never been a big fan of Josh McDaniels anyway. So I don't can count this firing as necessarily like a bad idea as more as it just is surprising. Um, and if you want a clean sweep in a new regime out in Vegas and a little bit more direction, I, I totally understand that. It's just not something I thought Mark Davis would do. I agree. I think this came as a shock, at least to like the sense that everybody thought, I think the first coach to go was probably Ron Rivera and it's not um, in the same sense. It, it's also, a little surprising to me that the Raiders, you know, hired and fired both a GM and a head coach so rapidly 
which really is the organization kind of admitting that, you know, their process was incredibly flawed and not well executed. Um, and usually that that's something they try to avoid. I feel like from, from the perspective of an NFL competency point of view. Um, I also thought it was interesting, you know, the criticism I was hearing of McDaniels was that him, his, his two head coaching stints have both lasted one and a half years. And in each of those, he basically attached himself to a quarterback that had failed magnificently during that second season with the 2009, 2010 run being the Tim Tebow years. Um, that McDaniels kind of attached himself to. So I, I did find it interesting that he kind of made the same mistake, almost exactly the same mistake twice. Um, I think that's a little odd for a head coach to do. And I think maybe it shows, you know, I, I wouldn't say we saw anything from the Raiders in the past two years that would suggest at all that like things were going in the right direction. I think almost like Rich Basicchia was was the best yeah, coach Rich was best three really better than McDaniels, absolutely. Yeah, and I think they're going to regret letting him go to another organization, but I just it, it does come as a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought they would ride this out more, but I think this is like a case of ripping off the band-aid. I don't know about I don't know about you. I also I like the the knock on McDaniels has always been he is a incredibly like grading personality and i mean that in the sense of like a cheese grater like he is very by all accounts from previous players uh i think jake Plummer said this brandon marshall has said this brandon marshall had that feud with him like publicly but i think there are some other players maybe it wasn't Plummer, and maybe it was cutler um but like there are players who have played for him that hated him and oh tony scheffler Tony Scheffler is the other one. Both of those, I think, were part of my take interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have both said that Josh McDaniels is a really, really tough coach to play for because he's just such a dick. Um, so, like, I – yeah, I, I, I'm i not – that's why I'm not really surprised because, like, Josh McDaniels seemingly rubs every single person he comes into contact with the wrong way besides Bill Belichick. So, um yeah, I'm not shocked that he like got that he got fired in this way. And I think that, yeah, for the for the Raiders as a whole, to a certain extent, they just haven't they haven't committed to tanking, but they also haven't clearly had the players to win. And they've had some hits in the draft, you know, in the meantime, like, you know, Josh Jacobs was a good by all accounts draft pick, even though he was taken in the first round, taken at the back end of the first round. Max Crosby, I think, was a third rounder, obviously a home run. So, like, they've gotten some wins. They've also had some horrible losses in picks. Jonathan Abram is the one that comes to mind there. Like, he was terrible. Um, So, I yeah, they've been hit and miss in the draft, but I do think it's time to blow up. I think they are going to be one of the teams that are, like, top end of the draft quarterback, you know, sort of teams. Um, And... Yeah, but there's just so much work to do. I think they probably deal. I would not be surprised if Garoppolo is cut in the offseason before the league year starts or like before his bonuses kick in. Devontae Adams probably gets dealt, I would assume. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be a teardown. And I, I think it's the right move. And I think it's probably like a couple years too late. Um, but, yeah, good for Mark Davis for like, 
taking his head out of, out of a PF Chang bowl and finally figuring it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see maybe who they choose. I mean, typically first in is also first one to get their pick of, of new coach. Um, you know, not sure what the market looks like just yet, but as we go on, you know, Raiders will have been vacant for a majority of the year come the end of the season. Um, so that should be a very interesting way to see how this turns out. See, see what they're going for, for right now. Other big news, uh, trade deadline happened. So big movers and shakers, uh, of note, uh, the Washington Commanders give Chase Young to the 49ers and Montez Sweat to the Bears. Uh, Josh Dobbs goes from the Cardinals to the Vikings. Uh, Leonard Williams, the defensive lineman, goes from Seattle or to Seattle from the New York Giants. Um, the Bills got Russell Douglas from the Packers, a cornerback. Uh, the Lions got Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Browns. The Dolphins got Chase Claypool from the Bears. Uh, Kevin Bard is on the Eagles now from the Titans. There's a few others in there. Mike, what do you think? Who? I mean, if you have a winner and loser at the deadline, you know who is it? And then reverse, like who is there? Anyone that surprised you to see on that list? I like the Bills going to get a cornerback in a quasi pick swap. They give up a third, get a fifth back. Um, but they really needed secondary help. And like, if they're Agreed. still going to try to be a Super Bowl contender, that's really, you know, where they're weakest. I don't know that Rasul Douglas is the player that he has been, but, you know, if you get him back and like Kyrie Elam stops playing like a liability, you know, maybe you can patch because the safeties are healthy. Like, Poyer's healthy, Micah Hyde's healthy. My, Matt Milano was a huge loss, and I bet they wish they had Edmonds still. Um, but, you know, overall, I think that's a good move to try to shore up the secondary. And um, if they get even a little bit healthier, maybe they can get somewhat better on defense. Um, I I like the Jaguars getting Ezra Cleveland um, just as some offensive line depth, you know, like a solid, you don't need to do too much. Add a piece here to help guard against an injury. I like that. Um, the bears, obviously sweats deals got to be either be in place or they're going to tag him or pick up his fifth year. I think he's due. He's oh, no. he, at the end of the year. He's a free agent or he can be a free agent at the end, but of he the wasn't year. a first round pick. Right. So he doesn't know he was pick. not. Yeah. He doesn't have a fifth year option. So they, the expectation I think is they would tag him with a, with the expectation they would get a long-term deal done. I think that works out fine. I, I'm surprised that they got more for him than Chase Young necessarily, but I also understand it because Chase Young has been uh, hurt. I just, maybe they, like, I haven't followed the commanders that closely. You can tell me differently if it was incredibly clear that they weren't going to pick up his fifth-year option or tag him. Or that, wait, they would have had to pick it up this past year, or is it this upcoming summer where they would So he'll be a free agent as of this upcoming summer. So they didn't didn't pick up his option last year. They did not exercise his option last year. That is correct. Right. So they would have had to tag him to have kept him. Um, Yeah, I think that one's like, you know, whatever. It's a rental for San Francisco. They're not going to sign him long term. Chase Young gets the opportunity to put himself a little bit more in the spotlight. And the, the commanders pick up an extra pick. So I don't, you know, like, I think that sort of works out for everybody. I continue to be puzzled by what the trade value chart that's the um, that the Seahawks employ because they give up a second and a fifth for uh, for Leonard Williams, who's twenty nine, is the second best D tackle uh, on 
the Giants. And I get it. It's just like another guy to rotate in on the defense. But I think their defense is more than a piece away from being like the them, Super Bowl yeah. contender. Right. So like, I I think that's pretty steep. And we've seen this from the, the Seahawks before. Like they gave up two first round picks for Jamal Adams, who when he isn't hurt is cursing out uh, neuroscientists who are trying to keep him from scrambling his brain in the egg. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, I, I don't really understand. But then they also pull off the Russell Wilson trade, which might be the most lopsided trade in recent NFL history. So like, I don't know, man. They are so weird with their trade values. And then the last thing I'll say, shout out to Hayden Winks from Underdog Fantasy because he's been all over this. I think the Vikings traded for the wrong Cardinals quarterback because I thought they should have been in on Kyler Murray. Um, and maybe they had those conversations and it just never – like they were so far apart, it just never worked out. But I, I like – if it were me, that that trade makes way more sense because you know the Viking the Vikings are going to have Kirk Cousins. Murray's under contract for at least a couple more years. The Vikings are going to be in quarterback purgatory where like they're not going to be in position to take one of the top guys off the board. And if you're and meanwhile Arizona is like they're keeping Murray, but they're going to run Murray out for the past or for the last few games trying to figure out if he's the guy and if they end up with the number one overall pick, are they really going to keep Kyler Murray? The answer is no. So like if it were, if it were me and I were the Cardinals, I would probably just deal Murray now, keep Mm -hmm. Dobbs, let Dobbs play the season out and then go take a quarterback. Even if you don't end up with one, if you end up in the top five, you're like, okay, maybe you don't get Drake May, but there's enough quarterbacks in this draft that, like it feels like you you can get a guy that you can talk yourself into resetting the clock on. So and maybe maybe that's it. Maybe they just don't feel that way. Maybe they feel they're more competitive than you know, uh, like uh, some of the other teams that are going to be in those discussions. And and if that's the case, they didn't want to deal Murray because they want the option to keep him and build around him. But I, I don't know. I would if I were the. Vikings and the Cardinals just feel, felt like a deal that made way more sense. But, I mean, the Vikings get Josh Jobs run out the season. They'll figure out quarterback at, at the end of it, but whatever. Yeah, I think it was uh, – I didn't necessarily disagree with that. I would have been surprised, truthfully, if they if they went to go sell Kyler Murray. Cause I, think I you would have been shocked, saw, too, but I think it probably would have been the right move. I, I think they would have asked for a lot more. And I don't know that he's the best quarterback on the market. Coming off of an injury, having not played several weeks, I think they're looking more for stability to maybe eke in like in the seventh or sixth slot in the playoffs and then see what happens, right? Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if they're also toying with the idea of reaching out to a veteran, um, especially as you get closer maybe to realizing if you have potential or not. I think I will say um, – the Bears making moves to both get rid of and acquire individuals kind of confused me. Um, Montez Sweat obviously certainly worth the second round pick, but it just feels like the Bears are a few steps away from being competitive. And if you don't have your quarterback and your offense is really struggling, I don't know that I give up a second round draft pick when I desperately need offensive linemen in order to have you know a bolstered D line. Um, so that kind of surprised me. I think the Lions, the Dolphins, the Bills all made great moves to to set themselves up as, you know, playoff contention teams. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a good receiver. If Chase Claypool can kind of find himself again after, I guess, dealing with the Bears, I think he might, like, you might see him kind of blow back up again. I mean, in the 
in the past year, he's only had, you know, four receptions for, for like 50 yards or something like that. So I think if they get him worked in, he gets confidence back. I think he can be a big playmaker. And then I, I honestly, I think the best move of the, the week, and I hate to say it because I didn't want to see him go, but Chase Young to the 49ers. I, I mean, if you're watching Chase Young, he's getting two sacks, sometimes, you know, three pressures a game, like an incredible amount of numbers coming off of an ACL injury. He wasn't active for the first three to four weeks of the season. And in that time, he started to creep up on the sack leader chart. I think he's top five right now, which is just incredible. Um, so I think with the 49ers, like I placed the future on the 49ers once they made that trade, just because I truly believe that I don't think they were missing a piece before. And I think adding one of the best, you know, pressure guys, pass rushers to, to your to your defensive line can really make make you move mountains in the playoffs. And I think that matters a lot. So I think that's what impressed me the most. I think of those, the 49ers are probably the winners. If there is a winner, quote unquote, um, obviously commanders being sellers, you hate to see it as a commanders fan. And then I, you know, like I said, I think I, I agree with all the decisions that the, the lions, the bills, the dolphins made. Um, I, I thought they positioned themselves pretty well. I agree though. Seattle. I don't know that Seattle's a playoff team. So like, I don't know why they're trying to buy at the deadline. Maybe that's just me. I, maybe it's just the draft capital they have. Um, I understand the Bears if they know they've got a deal in place to re-sign Sweat. Um, just because like Pat, though that level of pass rusher on the open market is just never there, and you've got two first-round picks, so yeah, you know you you can afford to part ways with another second, uh, knowing that the Panthers are going to be bad. You're going to be picking at the top of the draft anyway. So if it is you know quarterback and Marvin Harrison, or if it's quarterback and uh, you know, top flight offensive lineman. I think this tackle class is like relatively like bad. Weak. Yeah, not good compared to to previous seasons. Um, and there's not like a truly elite edge rusher. So if you just say let's go get like our QB one for the future and Harrison Jr. or Brock Bowers, depending on where you end up. Um, yeah. Like that, that's, you know, and you sell a one, two punch. If yeah. You and and instead right. of whoever your second round pick is, you just end up with Montez sweat instead. I think that's like, if that's how it shakes out, I think that's probably a good outcome for the bears. I think they'd rather yeah. have that than not have Montez sweat and just take three dice rolls um, in the draft. That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the games. Uh, we got a, uh, Germany game. We'll start off with that, and then we'll go to our 1 p.m. slate. So Germany game, Dolphins, Chiefs. Dolphins are one and a half point underdogs. Over under is 50 and a half. Oh, we're not uh, doing Thursday night? Oh, shit. Sorry. We'll do both that and <laughs> Thursday night. And then, uh, th- sorry, Thursday night, Titans at Steelers. Titans are plus three. Over under is 36 and a half. Um, so, Mike, those two games, let's call them primetime if we want. Uh, what do you think? You got anything? Oh, the the... We're doing both. Got it. Yeah, I'm taking the under in the Titans Steelers thirty. Oh, I'm taking the under, but in the other game, I'm going to take the the germ under. Uh, germ, germ under. Yeah. Uh, you go first because yours is first. Uh, yeah. So two teams that, aside from you know, Titans played well last week. Let's let's give credit where credits due. Um, that was because <laughs> they didn't play Tannehill. Um. I like this under if Tannehill starts. Uh, I don't necessarily like this under 
if not, and I think Tannehill's out. So this is going to be a lean until I see how it looks. Maybe the line shifts a little bit, but I don't think the Steelers are a very good team. I think you're asking a lot for these two teams to score unless the Titans really have found their groove on the offense. Um, I also like the Titans here just outright. Um, I know Steelers at home favored in primetime. Usually you're not going to bet against that. It just... I think maybe they've found something, and I still don't believe in Kenny Pickett. Um, so I think with Spears uh, under center, working in more with Lil, Will Levis, you got two young guys, two star offensive players. I think they're playing really well. I think you know Titans come out ahead here, in my opinion, and I, I like the under because I don't see these teams combined scoring 36 in prime time. This is going to be like a 10-17 game at most in 41-degree weather. Um, so give me the under here, and I'll probably sprinkle Titans plus three or Titans money line as well. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, I almost would have expected this line to be nearly the other way. Like, Correct. I, I After last week, I thought there would be a violent overreaction. Yeah, like Tennessee minus two and a half almost. Uh, the fact that Pittsburgh's favorite is kind of surprising. Pickett will play, um, which I guess makes the Steelers better, and they play better at home. Um, dead on about the Steelers last week and the Jaguars think like, I'm glad that game ended with a win because the Jaguars were the much better team. Um, but I, I think that almost makes me think Pittsburgh has something for Tennessee in this game. Like, I, I think it's weird because I don't think the line is an overreaction necessarily to Will Levis's performance last week, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Pittsburgh wins this game by like two scores just because it, like, Will Levis had first road start in the NFL, two really good pass rushers for Pittsburgh, mm, like just has yeah. a really, really bad game. And Pittsburgh wins like 21-7. And, and you're sitting there going, well, Pittsburgh shouldn't have been favored by three, but they also did just win this game by 14. Um, so, yeah, I like, yeah, I, I, I would lean Pittsburgh with the points. Um, I think the under is probably the right play regardless, um, but I'm, I'm staying away from both. I am going to take uh, Kansas City, Miami under. I think this is one of my most confident plays this week. Um, Kansas City coming off their worst performance of the season. Mahomes had the flu. Kelsey has Swifty-itis. They turn the ball over five times against Denver, which leads to all 24 points for the Broncos. Uh, And obviously, at the same time, they only score nine. The so I fully expect uh Chiefs bounce back here. Ninety six percent of the cash is on the Chiefs minus one and a half. I don't hate that either. My only concern about this, and like this is again, shout out part of my take. They're the ones who turned me on to this. The team that travels later to Europe has a decided disadvantage in these games, especially yeah, and- when they travel very late in the week. And the Chiefs are traveling Perfect. Thursday. Super late. Yeah. So preposterously late for that's for like Sunday Mahomes game. having the flu. It's not like he just had like a stomach, like he ate some bad sushi and that was why he played bad. Like the, he may still feel the effects of the flu going into this weekend. Yeah. On the other side of the ball, I don't, I think the Kansas city defense has kept them in a lot of games and they're a lot better than most people think. And so I, I think this is a comeback to earth game for the dolphins. I don't really know who wins, but I think this game is going to be tight, and I think it's going to be lower scoring than the total suggests. So 50-and-a-half, even though that's high for an NFL game, I think it's the highest total of the week. Um, 
and rightfully so with these two offenses, right? But I just I think that this game is going to be a little bit more tight. Plus, obviously, time zone change, like odd play time, body clocks off, like all of that to me adds up to this is going to be on the lower scoring end for these two teams. I would not be shocked to see this go well under. Uh, so I'm going to take the under here at 50 and a half. Um, that just that feels like too many points for these two teams coming off the performances that we just saw going overseas to play this game. Uh, yeah, give me the under. Yeah, I, I also like just knowing the – and the line has moved significantly, but knowing the stat on when the Chiefs are traveling, and I'm sure they'll be the team to just completely negate this, but Dolphins, you know, seem like an attractive pick. At least they did it plus five when the line opened. Obviously, it's down to one and a half now. I don't know that there's too much value there. No, the I, I if it weren't for the travel time, I would love the Chiefs. And the the line has nothing to do with the travel time because that's like a weird niche thing that nobody cares about besides like us and other stupid people. Um, so like, but I I still think Kansas City lost that game against Denver. They like Denver didn't win it, and so I I love Kansas City. I just that the travel thing throws me off. So uh, when I go to Virginia this week to place my wagers legally, I'll be taking uh, the under here just. Betting on both of these offenses, regressing the mean a little bit. Also, for the record, picks last week three, two, and one with one push. Thank you, Detroit, for not only covering eight and a half, but keeping this game under forty-five and a half um, by just like shooting themselves in the foot like three times, um, but also ending Josh McDaniel's career. So that was awesome uh, for the season. Thirty, twenty-four, and two overall up three. So sorry, had to get that out of the way. No, I like it. I like it. I. I went four and two last week, so that was nice. Added nice. some late ones. There you go. Bounce back week for both of us. I know. Both had I horrible know. weeks the week before. <sighs> Awful week. Um, okay. Noon slate is as follows. In no particular order, Washington Commanders at Patriots. Patriots are three-point favorites over unders 40 and a half. Uh, we got Rams at Packers. Packers are three-point favorites over unders 38 and a half. Buccaneers, Texans, Bucks are three-point underdogs away at Texans. Over-unders 40. Browns at Cardinals. You got Cardinals plus eight and a half. Over-under is 37 and a half. Bears at Saints. Bears are eight and a half point underdogs. Over-under is 41. Uh, Seahawks at Ravens. Rave, uh, Seahawks are five and a half point underdogs. Over-under is 44. And Vikings at Falcons. Vikings are four and a half point underdogs uh, at the Falcons over under 37 and a half. Mike, what picks, if any, do you have for the slate? Uh, I've got three. Um, so we'll see if any of these games overlap. Um, Bear Saints. You? Go on. I, uh, I, I have Bears plus eight and a half. I, I love it. I am not going to take that though, just because they fired another coach for like with HR involved this week. <laughs> um, so more dysfunction there. I I think it's the same process, different pick. I'm taking the under 41. Um, I yeah, I I think the Bears keep this remarkably close. I think New Orleans like offensive performances of late have been sort of outliers, and mm-hmm. their offense Agreed. is not the same. You know, it's it's bad. It's not good. It's frankly awful. Um, and so I think the Bears keep this close. But overall, I think this total st- stays way under because ba- it's Bajan again, right? Starting again. 
Yes. Yeah. So I think the only thing that keeps me from taking the Bears is there's a possibility they get shut out. Um, and so I I would ra- much rather take the under because if you do get the Saints covering, it's going to be in a low-scoring game relatively. Like even if they blow them out, you know, 31-7, let's say, still keeps you under the number. Um, and overall, I just think this is like defense, running the ball, shortening the game, both teams are trying to be fairly conservative offensively. So I'm on the under 41. I I like it. I'm, I'm on bears plus eight and a half. I just think it's a lot of points to be giving the saints. I don't think there's anything that I've seen that suggests the saints should be eight and a half point favorites to anybody. Um, especially if Montez sweat's going to play, uh, you know, you could see that, a bolstered defensive line might help a little bit. I don't think they'll have him going 100% on snaps just because he doesn't know the playbook yet, but I can see it being uh, him providing an influence on that. And then overall, I just don't think the Saints are very good this year. I think they're decidedly average, and I think if you're a football team, you know, even if you're trying to lose, eight and a half is a lot of points uh, for me not to consider the Saints a top-five team. So uh, next game, what do you have next game? Uh, I'm going to take, uh, any, do you have anything on Texans bucks? I do not. So go ahead. Uh, I'm taking the Texans minus two and a half. This is like slingshot principle. Um, Houston's better than they played last week at Carolina. I don't know why. Well, Carolina, they were dogs, right? So they did cover. I, I should have taken just Carolina money line. I just, I had such a feeling that was going to be their first win. Like, both teams coming out of a bye, but Carolina hadn't won. They, like, they really needed that game for just Bryce Young's confidence um, to be able to say that they feel like they picked the right guy. I don't know what how that will necessarily pan out. I do think Bryce Young is, is going to be very good. I think the offense around him is absolutely garbage. They're often, like If you go look at the All-22 of Iki Aquanu, their left tackle, and I'm not just saying this because he's an NC State guy, that dude can't play. Like he he was getting absolutely abused by the, mm-hmm. the Texans all week last week, um, and Bryce Young is still making plays. Happened to, had a better stat line than than CJ Stroud in this game uh, against a pretty good defense. And granted, you know it only led to what fifteen or sixteen points, but um, no, I, I I'm happy for the Panthers to get out the shine. But this is about Tampa Bay, or sorry, this is about the Texans. I think the Texans bounce back here. They're at home. Tampa Bay's going on the road. Tampa Bay has come like down to earth the past couple weeks mm-hmm. um, and been much more of what we've expected. Um, I don't really know how this game goes in the total. I just feel like the Texans are going to bounce back into a win here. This is just part of having a rookie quarterback. You're going to get some weeks where he looks amazing. You're going to get some weeks where he looks Terrible, and this is a defense that, yes, has experience, but it's relatively older. Uh, the Texans continue to get healthy on offense um, with the offensive line and their receivers. Tank Dell was back last week. So I just I think this is a spot where I just like the Texans to bounce back, so I'll take them with the points. Uh, Houston minus two and a half. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Um, I guess I'll go with one here because I got two more aside from the one we were talking about. Um I'll do Cardinals plus eight and a half is my pick. Nice. Um, bit bit of a system play. Uh, 10% of the bets, 41% of the money is on the Cardinals. So there's a bit of 
uh, difference in the action there. Um, the Cardinals have just been playing, you know, teams tough. And I think anything above a touchdown in the NFL is, is borderline insulting um, as a spread. Um, I think the Cardinals can keep it within a touchdown is more or less the thought here. Um, not that they've shown anything spectacular. I just don't think the Browns are terribly good or not good enough to get uh, eight and a half, much like the Bears pick. Um, additionally, 15% chance of rain, 10% chance of, or 10 mile an hour winds. Um, it might not be the best throwing weather, uh, which means those teams are going to try and run the ball a little more. Clock will go slower, harder to cover a larger spread. So I'm going to take uh, cards plus uh, eight and a half here. I like it. I just, the the volatility with Clayton Toon as your quarterback. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the risk. You, uh, you'll know if the Cardinals are going to put up nine points or 20 points within the first probably like five minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? I have my last two. I got Packers Rams. Other one? And I, Commanders Patriots. No, I'm on neither. So you go. Okay. All right, uh, Packers-Rams, two teams that really have not been scoring, uh, taking the under 38 here. Um, not a big you know, system play or anything. Uh, just trust my gut on this one. 10-mile-an-hour wins, I mean, cold it's a, weather, Lambo. System play in the sense of uh, 99% of the cash is on the under. Is it really? That's for, not what I have. For Green Bay-Rams. Oh, I'm looking at. I'm an idiot. I'm looking at the spread. Yeah, no. Okay, so there is a majority of the money on the under. Um, <laughs> so I also part of this is that I don't know that people who live in Los Angeles are inherently going to Lambeau Field in October or November and immediately playing well. I think there's actually a factor there, and I think if you have 10 mile an hour winds, you know, 50 degree weather. I think that has an effect on players. So I don't think they're they're going to score or have a they're, I think they're going to have difficulty scoring. Um and then on the flip side, you know, the the Packers have really struggled this year. So I don't see where 38 points is coming from in an NFL game. I don't hate it either. I just Yeah, I don't really know why I think that there's a chance. That, oh, that's what I was trying to think. I was like I had a reason. Um it's Jordan Love GM said that he doesn't know if he's the answer. So I could see a world where like Green Bay just comes out and puts their foot on the gas. And then Sean McVay has to like try to answer. And you just like this game creeps over the total for no reason. I would not like that to happen. I also don't know that the Rams can really put their foot on. I don't think either team can really put their foot on the gas. So like maybe. Yeah, I don't think. I think you're probably right. I, I think it's the right play. Don't get me wrong. I'm not doubting you. I just I I stayed away from it from that reason alone. That's fair. That's fair. Which is no, I think it's probably dumb. But uh, like, thank you for making me feel better. Do you <laughs> do you have any more bets for this slate, or am I going to my last one? Uh, I have one more. I am on. Uh, I'm on a different under. I, another under. Yeah, I have four unders this week. Uh, I have two. Uh, one of them is Indy at Carolina. I kind of love Indy in this spot, and I wish they weren't favored by a field goal. Um, just cause Carolina gets a win, they get off the schneid, but they're still really bad. Um, yes. Indianapolis is more than likely the better team has a way better coach. Um, and so I think Indiana, like, I don't know why Indianapolis is catching slightly less cash 
than tickets, but it's still 56% of the money on Carolina. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I think Indy should be like, I honestly, I, I would kind of like this at like three and a half too, just because I think Carolina is pretty bad. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to put that into the under here. I think Bryce Young struggles again. I, but I also at the same time, like Indianapolis doesn't have the capacity to really blow anybody out. Um, so all that to me adds up to like, this is a bit of a rock fight and, uh, it's, you know, 44 just feels like a lot of points for these two teams. So, Mm -hmm. uh, 87% of the cash on the under, I think it should be more. Uh, I'm going to take the under 44 here. I like it. I like it. Um, Oh, sorry. That's a, that's a four o'clock game. I don't know what I'm doing. I I'm sorry. Yeah. How dare you? I, uh, I I thought that was a one o'clock game, but I forgot we only have we have eight one o'clock games like we should have this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my last one for the one p.m. slate. I'll dive into this real quick, and then we'll move on to the four p.m. slate. Um, because I don't have any picks for the four p.m. slate. I'm gonna take Commanders plus three and a half. Um, this is a like, do they get off the mat or not? Game. Uh, Patriots have not been playing very well. They're not a very good team. Um. You lost probably two of your three best defensive linemen and probably what makes that unit work. So can Washington's offense get it together finally uh, with Sam Hamill and, and you know, company kind of putting the pedal to the metal like they have in one or two cases uh, this year, right? I mean, putting 31 up, putting up 31 against Philly isn't nothing. Um, and, you know, doing it twice is not nothing. Um so, I, I mean, I think they have the potential on offense. Um, whether they capitalize and continue to show, you know, ineptitude is another thing. So we'll see. But I like commanders with the points here. I don't think the Patriots are a very good team and certainly not better than the commanders. Um, so it should be interesting. All right, 4 p.m. slate. We have the aforementioned Colts at Panthers. Uh, Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Over under is 43 and a half. Mike, you're taking that under as we already discussed. Yeah, uh, I Giants, had it at 44, but I'm taking the under. Either way, give me the under either either way. Oh, I see it. It's it's fluctuating here on Action Network because it keeps yeah. updating. But I see 43 and 44 and a half, both respectively. Uh, we got Giants at Raiders. Giants are two and a half point underdogs to the Raiders. Uh, and the over under is 37. And then we have Cowboys at Eagles. Over under is 46. Eagles are three point favorites. I'll tell you a lean because I don't have anything else for the slate. I kind of like Raiders minus one and a half with the uh, interim bump. Uh, I think the Giants are bad. They were sellers uh, at the end of the week. I think you might see uh, a Raiders team that tries to get off the mat here for this week, uh, at least this week, maybe not all weeks. That's really bing. it. I just I just believe in the, the interim coach bump. Bing, 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 bing. Vegas minus one and a half. I am all over it. Yeah, this is like, this is, to me, I don't care that Daniel Jones is back. I don't care that, like, this is Antonio Pierce, linebacker, like, saying all the right things in a press conference. They are going to come out full of piss and vinegar against his former team at home off of firing, and they're just going to be so happy that their coach is no longer Josh McDaniels that they are going to win this game. And I, at one and a half, I don't know why they're, like, favored. I guess, like, one and a half over the Giants at the beginning of the week without Daniel Jones kind of made sense. Now that Jones is back, I like this slightly less. 
But overall, interim bump here. This this is don't think, just throw. They, like they, they are going to lose every game after this. But I feel like the Raiders almost certainly win this game, and I that's why you've got to take it at one and a half. It, interim bump. It's a guy you know is going to be jacked up, and they are going to come out firing. So give me uh, Vegas. This felt like an easy one. Um, and then I have actually – oh, sorry, that's the uh, late game. I have one other play, but I am now on all three games in the 4 o'clock window. I'm taking Philly minus three. Um, Dallas has just not played well against good teams at all. Um, the teams that they've beaten have been at home and – have been bad, especially on offense. Um, they are going to Philadelphia to play an Eagles team that is not bad. Um, and that's the whole logic here. Like, they're going to feel better about themselves. They're going to feel like they figured some things out offensively. And they are going to go to Philly and get snowballs of batteries thrown at them, both literally and figuratively by mm-hmm. this Philly offense. Uh I would I think I probably would like this up to like five and a half, six. Um, so getting this at a field goal uh is huge. So give me Philly minus three. I think they win this. I think they win this pretty convincingly. Um, I, I yeah. don't hate it. My only concern would be that the Eagles have had NFC East teams play them tough this year. I think just as the nature of like uh, this is the top dog in the in the division right now. I'm wondering if we might see, I mean, if the Cowboys keep it close and if they, you know, God forbid they win. Um, I think you're going to see a, a pretty strong overreaction to their performance. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I do I do like the pick. I think the Eagles, you know, good weather, 60 degrees, less than 10 mile an hour wins. Like, I don't think there's anything of concern there. And I don't think that the Cowboys are very good but it also wouldn't inherently surprise me if they pull off an upset early in the season to just get decimated like later in the season, essentially. Yeah. I just, it, this, this feels like quintessential Cowboys. Like they, this happened with, we watched this happen with San Francisco, like a mm-hmm. month ago. Like yeah, they, were beating you... up, they were beating up bad teams at home, like the jets and the Patriots killing them. And then they go to a team that is clearly better than them, and they just get absolutely smoked. And it, to me, it's a little bit less about Philly. Philly played, you know, the commander's close. I think that's also devaluing this line a bit. Also, Hurts is clearly injured, but he gets another week. He didn't re-injure it in that game against the commander, so he gets another week to get a little bit more right. And just overall, I think Philly just punches them right in the nose, and they fold like a house of cards. So. I, I can see it happening easily. I don't I don't hate the pick. All right, last two games of the week, Bills, Bengals, Sunday night football. I can't wait for this one. This one's going to be great. Bills are two-point underdogs, uh, and the over-under is 49.5. And then we have Chargers at Jets. Jets are three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Over-under is 40-and-a-half. Uh, Mike, I have picks for both of these, but you go ahead first. So do I. So you go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Bills, Bengals... The Bills money line. I Ooh. I can't I can't not take it. It's a primetime game. Um, I love the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow. I think what we saw earlier in the season might come back uh, at times, and I think this is one of the games where you might see it because the Bills are very good, and they haven't been playing very well. 
So I think you're going to see, you know, if they can, if they can start to get Dawson Knox back or Damian Harris back, I think you're going to see a Bills team that's a little more reinvigorated, and I think they can come out firing and do pretty well. Um, Josh Allen can still sling the ball. This isn't like a bad weather game either. Um, 55 degrees, no wind. So like, I like the over here too for Sunday Night Football, which is a rarity, but I definitely like Bills at plus two or at money line plus 110. Uh, so give me the Bills. I am on the over. I'm on the over for the game. I am on the over for DeMar Hamlin tributes at one and a half. Um, (laughs) No, yeah, they will do. I'm sure they will do like DeMar Hamlin and the first responders uh, at midfield, either before the game or at halftime. Um, But I am on the, uh, because this is at the Bengals. So where it happened last year. Um, But I am. Oh, on the over 49 and a half for all the reasons you just said, but I think Cincinnati figured it out on offense. Um, and, and San Francisco's defense has been, you know, not great the past two games, but I think that was much more like Joe Burrow looked like Joe Burrow. You could see it in the way he was moving around. You could see it in the way he was making decisions. Like he feels like himself again. Uh, Jamar Chase wasn't like spectacular and they still just like, they're, they're deeper at receiver this year because of the, great guy whose name I won't pretend to know how to pronounce. Um, <laughs> so like, I just, I think overall Cincinnati's offense will be, will be geared up for this game to show off their new look at home. I think the bills still can't stop anybody even after getting Russell Douglas, but I think you're right. And like that Josh Allen has to have a game where he's got to go out and win it. So I, I lean Bengals just because I think that they're going to go on a run here. And if they win tonight, like, the the floodgates are open for them walking their way right back into the AFC conversation. Mm-hmm. Agreed, um, agreed. But I think more than more than anything, I think this is going to be a true shootout. Like this is going to be a lot of fun. These two teams are going to both look to score to you know score to win essentially. Like they they know that they can't really stop uh, and take their foot off the gas pedal. So. Uh, over four and nine and a half. Like I said, the fact that this is lower than Kansas City, Miami is shocking to me because I think with all the factors in play um, for that game in Germany, as opposed to this is a Sunday night primetime, like testosterone matchup. Uh, I love the over here at four and nine and a half. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. All right, let's do the last game of the week. Your Jets. I'll let you go first. Uh, I think you're going to like my pick, though. Um. First of all, the Jets had no business pushing last week. None. Mm-hmm. Absolutely none. Like the the Giants, at, like, it, I don't know that they necessarily made the wrong decision in kicking the field goal they were supposed to go in for fourth down, even if you just, like, backed up, ran straight backwards to, like, the 50-yard line and then threw a Hail Mary as high as you could just to burn clock. Um, I, I still think even the Giants kicking the field goal – you know, I don't necessarily question the decision. It's just you can't, like, I, I don't understand how you let Zach Wilson go down the field on you when he was just so bad the entire game. But the Jets find a way to win. They're still in the playoff conversation. Um, they're home dogs. I understand why people are picking them. I think the Chargers line is probably inflated because they played the Bears last week. Overall, I think this, no matter what happens here, either the Jets – have a very, very bad game offensively and and get blown out by the Chargers. Or if this game is going to be close, it's going to be because 
the Chargers have like a regress to the mean offensive game. And so either way, that adds up to take the under at 40. Um, this just feels like uh, if the Jets are going to win it, they're going to win it 17-14. If the Chargers are going to win it, they're going to win it like 21 or 28 to like three. Um, either way, that keeps you under the total. So I just, I, I think there's not really many winning scenarios where this is like a 24 to 21 game. That just doesn't feel right for this one. So I don't hate the analysis. I'm going with Jets plus three and a half. I just think that the Jets defense is a very good unit. And I think the Chargers have struggled this year with very good defenses. I expect a regression to the mean this week for the chargers. Um, I think if you're struggling against defenses like Kansas city and Dallas, like you're going to struggle against the jets. They are just a very, very good uh, defensive unit. And uh, I think the jets can keep it within a field goal. I just, if this was two and a half, I wouldn't like it. If this was three, I wouldn't like it, but it's three and a half. Um, so, so, you know, chargers are winning off of a last second field goal. Cause they were struggling all week. Still get you in the green. Uh, so give me Jets plus three and a half. Yeah, I think the hook makes this attractive, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna play it safe a little bit and take the under. It's always hard to bet for your own team. I, I always actually actively dislike it because it feels like you you almost have too much invested. If that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're already invested in the team. I don't yeah. Need no, I've right learned that lesson with North Carolina the past two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been our show. Stupid versus spread. We do this every week, talk about the week's games. Like and subscribe. Thank you for listening.